What does healing mean to you? What does healing mean to you? The Mental Health Podcast, raising unanswered questions, sharing unanswered prayers. We are faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. I am Tony Roberts. I am Eric Riddle. And And we we are Revealing Voices. It is episode 29, and this week, Tony is in New Jersey, and so I am recording on my own. I miss Tony dearly. Uh, my partner here is, uh, is with his beautiful wife. Uh, she is doing some training there for a couple weeks. And so to get this episode out, we decided to take all of our episodes from season one and edit down to just have the question, what does healing mean to you, and the response uh, in long form. So in some of these responses, they're really less than a minute for some, others are um, three or four minutes. And I'm going in order of the interviews, uh, and I'll speak through some of the highlights of the four and introduce you to the individuals. For those responses from our guests that you really find intriguing, uh, I will tell you what episode they're from, so you could easily reference back to to season one and listen to our full episode. Our very first episode was called Faithful Family, and it was my wife, Jen, and Tony's sister, April. They were on the show helping us uh, get our feet wet in the podcasting realm. And uh, we teamed up, the four of us talked, and... Uh, Jen's response here, you'll hear uh, on healing, is very much about the three R's, restoration, reconciliation, and righteousness. She'll dive into that. April talks about uh, the healing that she receives in her profession. She is a psychiatric nurse and how healing is very reciprocal. As she helps others, she finds that she gets a sense of healing also. I'd like to hear from both of you, Jim. We'll start with you about the question, you know, what does healing mean to you? We expect to ask this of nearly all of our guests. So as you said earlier, this could be broad or it could Mm -hmm. be very specific. So where do you take this? So when I first encountered this question, when Eric had introduced it to me, um, the first thing I thought of was the restoration of all things. So in a, a very kind of big picture, broad sense it's um the restoration of creation kind of like when christ returns and all things are new again that's when i think of healing that's where i go initially but i think inside of that there is you know a personal understanding of healing and i think that becomes a restoration of relationships with other people that are broken for a number of different reasons. It could be because of my own brokenness or for their own brokenness or decisions or behaviors that we have done to hurt one another. Um, And I think we have uh, reconciliation that leads to healing in those relationships. Um, Not for every relationship, but for the ones that are open to that reconciliation. Um, 
I think healing needs to occur between us and God mm-hmm. and the brokenness that we have in those relation, that relationship with God. And I think uh, there needs to be healing between humanity and the, uh, the rest of creation because there is brokenness there as well. And so I think healing comes in right action. So that righteousness, right? The very churchy word to use, uh, but that right action that we do to one another, to the rest of creation and to God. I think those things bring healing. And I know April, you've experienced healing and look for healing in a variety of forms. What would you respond to about what healing means to you? I would definitely agree that it, it can be simple or it can be very broad. And, and as I was thinking about this question and how I was going to answer this, um, it, I really was led to answer the question from um, a perspective of the, the field that I chose to go into as a help, helping field. And I agree with Jen in that, you know, we have to first check ourselves and, and uh, work on our own brokenness before we can help others. Um, and um, I was really glad to think about the consumers that I work with and what does healing mean to me in working with my consumers. Mm. And one thing that I like to do as a mental health nurse is I like to get to know the people that I work with and you will begin to see their brokenness. And then uh, uh, being able to be a part of helping them uh, reach out to different um, avenues of how they can heal that brokenness. And being able to be a part of that is such a blessing. But then always going back and checking ourselves because we don't want to allow our brokenness to come in the middle of theirs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it's, it's constant work, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Episode two, Amy Simpson. Amy was a really uh, great guest. She has written some uh, very popular books. For those in the mental health ministry world, you're probably familiar with Troubled Minds, Mental Illness, and the Church's Mission. Uh, That has been out for quite a while and really put mental health ministry on the map. Uh, With her response, uh, it's actually very similar to Jen's, and talking about healing uh, as restoration? Yeah, that's a good question. Take as long as you like. Okay, so for for me, um, healing, it means moving in the direction of restoration. Um, And I think that does not always mean full restoration. You know, healing Mm -hmm. can be done in stages. Uh, We can experience it in small ways. We can experience it in big ways. But ultimately, it, it results in the restoration of something that has been damaged or that has been um, hurt or that has has maybe formed in a, a way that's not helpful to us. So when we're talking about, you know, emotional healing, for example, sometimes what what we're healing or what we're needing to restore is a way of functioning that is helpful to us rather than hurtful to us. Um Maybe it's the restoration of, uh, you know, a relationship that has become mm-hmm. damaged or, but, but it doesn't mean that it has to look the way it did before. <laughs> it doesn't mean that, you know, if, if you experience healing, it doesn't mean you won't have any scars. You know, if you think about our physical bodies healing from an illness or an injury, often there are scars left behind 
or there are changes to the way our bodies work if we experience some kind of serious illness. So we can yes. experience healing without having to look or feel the way we did before. Do you have a, a personal experience of healing that you would like to share? Well, my, my whole journey around my, the experience in my family and the experience with my mom's mental health has been a journey of healing. You do mention the, the scarring in your um, that paragraph you read earlier. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I mentioned earlier that this topic, the, the subject of mental health or mental illness, was the one thing that I was sure I was never going to write about. And, you know, there were various reasons for that, one of which was just the, the personal pain that was represented in this story for me. And what what happened for me, what changed that? was ultimately healing. It was going through the process of better understanding my story, my family story, what we had gone through, um, the impact it had on me, um, questioning some of the things that that growing up with schizophrenic, schizophrenia in my family taught me, and learning some things that contradicted those lies. You know, mental illness is a liar. It it mm. lies to everyone who is unfortunate enough to be personally affected by it. And so healing sometimes means learning something that contradicts those lies. So for me, you know, I, I went through decades of work doing, doing counseling off and on, um, you know, reading books, having important conversations with people. Um, interacting with my family, learning how to interact differently, um, mm -hmm. exercising boundaries, stand, sticking right. up for myself. You know, it was all very practical, and it took me a long time. It, it took me until I was in my mid-30s to begin to even entertain the idea of sharing this story. Mm -hmm. And so healing, you know, it happened for me in stages, um, brought me to a place where I had done enough healing that I'm able to share this story. And honestly, the act of writing a book and then going out there and yes. speaking on this topic has been has accelerated my healing. You know, it's been tremendously healing. And the thing is, I am on a journey with that. I know I will not be fully healed of any of my wounds in this life until mm -hmm. God re fully renews me and restores me to the the person that he initially created me to be. But I'm on that journey. And so that healing is, it's part of my story. It's part of my past. It's part of my future. It's part of my presence, present. It is part of the, just the path that I'm on. Episode three was Tony E. Roberts revealed. I will let Tony speak for himself. I've left our key question for the end of our episode here. So I here. can think about yes. it and stew about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Tony, what does healing mean to you? Well, some people talk about holistic healing, you know, be, bringing together your mind, body, spirit. I typically think about them separately. You know, what supports my physical healing, what supports my emotional healing, and what supports my spiritual healing, even though there is a lot of overlap. I also think of it as discipline. You know, uh, physical discipline requires eating well, exercise, going to the dentist, the doctor, mm -hmm. taking medicine that will prevent my diverticulitis and cholesterol. 
On a more emotional side, because I have bipolar, I have the need to take psychotropics, uh, to go to therapists, uh, to follow the doctor's prescribed path. On a spiritual side, the disciplines include prayer. Uh, I have an accountability partner, a prayer and Bible study partner, mm-hmm. uh, and worship, which is a big need for me. And it's also something I struggle with the most. Um, and fellowship as well. Uh, but if I'm doing all of these disciplines together, um, that's where healing happens uh, uh, at the intersection of these disciplines. But it's not something I produce. It's something that God gives us mm-hmm. and that we participate in. It's always initiated by God, but it's a gift we claim. Mm-hmm. Part of healing, I, I think, is kind of setting the right environment for it to, to happen. And, and you're speaking to that as far as you know, following the doctor's orders, being aware of things you can do that, that do promote healing, understanding spiritual disciplines. I think you do a, a good job of creating an environment where, where God can work Well, I think consistent healing has come uh, in the form of my personal relationship with God on a consistent basis. Uh, I think writing Delight and Disorder was was a breakthrough for me. Mm -hmm. I I developed a consistent prayer time. uh, Well, not necessarily prayer time, but overall praying in all things. Um, An awareness of how God works in my life. Uh, the writing discipline that I, that I have really began out of that. Mm-hmm. Episode four is Katie Dale. Katie has a blog called Bipolar Brave. And in her response, she talks about really balancing healing coming from uh, the mental health care she receives in uh, you know, clinical settings as well as the healing she's received from church and from God. Healing is the hand of God on my mind for me personally. Um, I prayed for healing. I claimed healing and he, he answered. He didn't have to heal me. I could still be in the hospital, in and out of the hospital. He was gracious enough to answer my prayer to, uh, and the prayers of other people to have a sane mind, a sound mind and have, living in his reality and not an alternate reality of, you know, hearing voices or hallucinations or delusions or anything else that comes with the bipolar disorder. So uh, the daily dose of medicine of psychotropics and the daily dose of medicine from the Word of God. Episode 5, Marie Henning. She comes from the world of HR, so we explored that in this episode. And her response to healing, uh, very practical, talking about um, just healing, coming from joy, having fun, and really knowing that you're making a contribution. Healing means that we are fully restored with our Lord. I mean, total healing won't come until that day that we're, we're with him in heaven mm-hmm. and singing his praises. Now, earthly healing... Um, 
for me, it means being able to function in the world and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Because you can function, but if you're not living life, if you're not enjoying anything, you're not living. But it's being able to do that. It's not going to be easy. It's never easy, whether it's physical, whether it's a mental issue, or just day-to-day life. There's always hardships, always stuff that's hard. But if you can go through life and you can contribute and have made a difference, if you can function in a way that you can be there for your family and your friends, mm-hmm. then you have it. In episode six, we interviewed local pastor Mark Tyke from St. Peter's Lutheran here in Columbus. Uh, he's got a great, um, great take here on what does healing mean to you. And as you'd expect from a pastor, it's, it's very detailed and um, it's interesting. He does touch on some of the same things as Marie about living independently and really finding joy. And, and joy is a real source as well as a sign of, of healing. I knew you were going to ask that question because you, <laughs> you gave me a heads up ahead of time. And I know that's a question that you ask all of, all of your guests. Um, as I thought about that, I really think of that on different tiers. I think about at least three different levels of healing when I think about that. So on, on one end, uh, healing for me is, is the total complete healing that, that the two of you and I will one day experience when we're in the presence of the Lord mm-hmm. face-to-face, um, where there is no more sickness and no more pain and no more tears and no more sorrow. I know that uh, when that day comes for me to take my last breath here um, and I wake up, uh, I'm going to wake up in the presence of the Lord, not because I was a pastor, not because I tried to be a good guy, uh, but because um, of what my Savior has done for me on a cross and then the validation of that on, at the empty tomb. And I believe with all my heart that when that day comes, uh, all of us uh, will experience total healing. But that doesn't do us a lot of good right now. I think there's a, another level of healing, and, and frankly, it, it probably doesn't happen all that often, but I, I believe with all my heart that, that the God I worship is a God who is all-powerful. I believe there's nothing that he cannot do. I, I know that he gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, and he caused the lame to get up and walk again. Uh, I, I believe that... that that our God can do all things. And, you know, when I, I think about those whom I love and care for who live with a mental illness, I, I continue to pray that God will bring healing this side of heaven mm-hmm. for them. Does he do that kind of healing with that kind of illness very often? Probably not. There may be more than I'm, I'm aware of. Can he? I, I believe that he can. And so I, I pray for that. I don't hold my breath. I don't get upset if he doesn't. But why would I not pray if I believe that he has the power and authority to do that? Mm-hmm. Another level of healing is I also think about those who are dear to me, whom I love, who live with um, mental illness, is an ongoing prayer is that they will be able to live independently, because I know for them this is really, really important. Um, they value that independence. I pray that they'll be able to, um, to work and sustain themselves in that way and to be able to carry out their work. 
And thirdly, I pray that they will experience um, some level of joy. Because, you know, as I observe some folks who live with mental illness, um, in many cases, especially because different meds work different ways, sometimes that level of joy just isn't there. And so my prayer for, for that level of healing, that they can live independently, that they can support themselves, and they can have some taste of joy, something to make them smile, something to make them laugh. And, and so I think there are different levels. And, and I'll be very honest with you. When I see um, those who are dear to me, who, uh, when I've seen them, when they really, really struggle, when life is really hard, uh, when they're not able to live independently, when they're not able to work, when they have no joy, um, you know, it's, it's painful, uh, not only for them, but for those who love them. So when those times come, when they're able to live on their own and to work and to smile, for me, man, there's a level of healing there. Episode seven, Eric Rippy Riddle talking about community. Tony, for me, healing is about being restored into community. Having a diagnosis and dealing with illness can be, as we've talked about, very isolating. And so for me, that healing has been overcoming that self-stigma and knowing that I am a full member of society, a healthy, contributing member of society. I think we, we all are social beings, uh, some more than others, and to be part of a community is the biggest blessing there is. And, you know, for me, being part of Christian community is the ultimate community. To know that we are part of the body of Christ and that is fully expressed amongst other Christians, whether it be in worship or just planting a tree with a fellow um, person who who understands God's creation. Episode 8, Kelsey Rockhold. Kelsey's also a blogger at Writings from the Raven's Desk, A Journey of Healing and Hope. Tony spoke uh, at a conference alongside Kelsey called, uh, the conference was called Shattering Stigma with Stories. And she really talked about eating disorders. That was part of the focus of this episode. I learned a lot. It's very clear that Kelsey is always learning and that that is really a source of healing for her. For me, it means to just not be stagnant, you know, not be complacent and okay with where I'm at and like think, you know, I things are okay. I have no more room to grow, nothing left to learn, you know, and just um, being willing to be put through change, to be uncomfortable, to be willing to keep moving even when it's hard. I think mm. healing is a process. And so, you know, de deciding at some point that the process is over, I don't know, seems silly because I feel like there's always more to learn and more to grow. Episode nine, Sarah Lund. Sarah is a pastor in Indianapolis. Uh, my wife, Jen, Tony, and I all uh, personally know Sarah, knew her before this episode. She's an author also, uh, wrote a book called Blessed Are the Crazy, Breaking the Silence About Mental Illness, Family, and Church. And Sarah focuses on hope 
as, as healing. Healing means hope. I mean, healing comes through um, moments of hope when we feel connected to God, to our friends, and to our family. And I think it, it also feels like a deep and refreshing breath of life. You know, when God created um, Adam, he breathed into Adam. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it was uh, the breath of life. And so I really think about the Holy Spirit as mm -hmm. breath, as God's breath. And so hope is when we can take a little bit more of a deeper breath in God and feel that God's presence is with us and will always be with us. And that's healing. Episode 10 is my sister, Maria Ress Riddle. And she uses a metaphor of recovering from a wound and understanding there's always going to be a scar. She touches on how a scar should not be a sign of shame, but actually a sign of healing. Maria is an art therapist, and I was really glad that she could talk about how art therapy is used in clinical settings. So I'm going to use a cut as a way to outline how I feel about healing. First of all, I think we're always healing. I don't think we're ever healed. Um, we might be in a better phase of healing or whatever, but I think it's constant because new things happen every day or new things come up every day. Um, that we haven't worked through. Um, but the cut, so say you get a cut on your arm and at the time it stings, it burns, it sucks, it's oozing, it's bloody. Um, it really sucks real bad. <laughs> I'm going to say it. It's a bad cut. <laughs> real bad cut. Is, um, is it getting green? Maybe some green pus. You know, yeah. Infected. Oh my God. Like my tattoo is awful. That's good. I mean, that's we'll the good it was terrible. But, Basically, this cut is so bad. Um, kind of, so it's like, oh, you got a metaphorical I had, cut happening. Yes, here. I'm trying to. I had it perfect in the shower before I came here. <laughs> <I'm telling you. laughs> um, I mean, sorry, spitting. Um, okay, so people get cuts. It hurts. It's distressful. It's hard to fix in the moment but then over time it heals there's a scar and you still have it on your body you you are reminded of it every day mm -hmm. it doesn't go away but it doesn't feel as bad right it, it's healed but it's still there so like once it's a scar now you know at the beginning it might still be a reminder where you're like triggered of it like you seeing it you might still react to it mm -hmm. but over time and as you work through <laughs> having it on your body, well, but like relating it to life, like as you work through your cuts, um, it might get easier to look at it or it might, it might be instead of feeling really sad or hurt or um, shameful about it. Now you're proud that you, you experience that, but now you've worked through it and you've become stronger through it. Mm -hmm. Good um, answer. So that's, I just think it's the healing part, the process, I think, is what's important. Like, you all, you want to get to your ultimate goal of being able to feel at ease about what you have to live through and what you've dealt with in your life. But I think being able to work through it is ultimately the healing. Like, mm -hmm. like I actually did that. 
you know, you, you talk, people talk a lot about like how they've recovered. Mm-hmm. Like they tell their story. Mm-hmm. This is my recovery story. And it's not always about like, now I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's more about like, how did you get there? So I think the healing is the process and finally being like, you know, this is who I am. After two episodes without any guests, Tony and I interviewed Robert Vore on episode 13. He is a podcaster that has a mental health podcast called CXMH, which actually means Christianity intersecting mental health. This was a great interview with Robert, and he actually used a similar metaphor to Maria talking about recovering from a broken leg. He also talked about progressively finding healing throughout life. Such a great question. I think for me, healing is movement back towards being whole, movement back towards who you were created to be. So in, when we think about it in like a physical sense, right, if you break your leg, for that to heal, it, it's moving back towards the way that your leg was designed to be. And I think we can apply that to emotionally and spiritually and things like that, right? I'm not meant to be miserable all the time. That's, I wasn't created to be miserable all the time. So if I can find healing, I'm moving towards that, like who I was meant to be. If, I, if I'm bitter and cynical and, and spiteful all the time, I can find you know some emotional healing where I move towards somebody who celebrates other people and who loves other people well and things like that. So I think it's a movement, and I think I like that phrase. It doesn't suggest that there's an end point. It's not like, hey, it's one thing and then you, you're done. Ideally, we would all progressively be finding more and more healing as we move throughout our life. Um, and I don't know that we ever get to the end of that I think parts of us can can be more healed, um, but ideally, right, the goal is for us to be moving more and more to towards who we were created to be. Robert, what's an example uh, from your own life of finding healing? Like, I think a lot of my faith things of coming to grips and, and understanding faith in a new light happened around the same time that I was trying to find a lot of healing for depression, for suicidality, and I think those things intertwined really well, which is why I'm so passionate about them working together. Because the more that I recognize myself and other people, and I see them through the lens of Jesus, right? So I'm, I'm created to be an embodiment of love. I'm created to love other people well and to let other people love me well, because that's what they're created to do as well. That intertwines with this sense of community of, you know, when I'm in the worst bits of depression, I need other people. Like I Literally, I need them to help me because that's one of the ways that God is going to help me through that. He's going to use counselors. He's going to use maybe a psychiatrist. He's going to use my wife. He's going to use my friends. He's going to use my dog, right? I got my dog partially for depression reasons. On episode 14, Tony and I had Kim Graves and Diana Starkey in our studio. Kim and Diana are from our Faithful Friends Mental Health Ministry, and we modeled what a typical night at our Faithful Friends Ministry looks like. And at the end of the show, Kim and Diana shared what healing means to them. Kim actually sounded a lot like Maria and Robert talking about uh, healing from the wound and recognizing the wound is a sign that you have healed, even though it's a scar. And Diana talked about healing as an ongoing uh, process that happens in a holistic manner. Healing Jesus healed in the Bible and took things away completely. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can take a pill for something and take away the symptom. Mm. 
but not take away the disease mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. You can heal a wound, but there's a scar. Mm -hmm. You can heal a relationship, but there's a scar on that relationship. You're saying there is healing, but there's also a scar. Yes. Would healing be an acknowledgement of the, the pain that is still part, part of the experience? Absolutely. It's part of the process. Pain, pain is part of the process of healing. That's what we're saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to Diana Starkey. To me, uh, healing is an ongoing process, always working to better myself in health-wise, uh, mentally, physically, spiritually. To be healthy is just continually an ongoing process. On episode 15, Laura Pagliano joined us. She leads a Facebook community called Advocates for People with Mental Illnesses. Laura had a son who uh, died young and suffered from severe mental illness for much of his life. Laura talked about healing as the ability to express love and to feel love from others. Healing truly, I would say, is recovering whatever is recoverable. If your recovery means you can leave your room and eat dinner with your family when you were too paranoid to do that for five years, then you are healing. If your recovery means you can finally work a part-time job with some support, you are healing. If your recovery means you can finally have a friendship or a relationship not super damaged by mental illness, then you are healing. I would say healing is probably recovering whatever you can recover after these damaging illnesses uh, attack your brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you see healing in, in Zach's life? Zachary would get better and then get worse. It was very cyclical. He would tank about three times a year. He uh, only recovered incrementally with great great help and lots of time and medicine mm -hmm. and then he would you would have a lot of your child back right he really truly even with impeccable care over the six or seven years that he was ill he only got sicker so what i like about your response of what does healing mean to you is you you speak to the incremental moments eating dinner with your family right you know that that's a really beautiful way of responding to that question so like every dinner zach zach was able to have with you is a moment of healing every time he would surface let's say from the illness and could communicate and express love and feel love right he was healing chris cole was our guest on episode 16 he has a podcast called waking up bipolar which i've really appreciated listening to and he talked about the word congruence and being in alignment uh, with yourself and with others. Uh, I was really touched by the story he tells about his own personal health at the end of his response. You know, a word I've been using a lot lately is very simple, is congruence. And Yeah, I think you used relationship. Yeah, and, and congruence to me it lends itself to relationships. Being congruent within oneself is a kind of befriending oneself or becoming in alignment with that relationship to self. And then also to be congruent is to be in alignment with the relationships in our lives, which isn't to say that they're always easy, but that they're true. A true relationship 
has difficulty. But to be in alignment is to be situated in the in the love and truth of oneself so that that can be conveyed to another clearly and in love and in truth, right? So we're we're able to be honest with ourselves and with our world. To me, part of my healing, I think, is being able to tell the truth and to drop some of the, I guess you could even call it something like paranoia, you know, that I'm going to tell the truth and get in trouble or get locked up or not be worthy of love. Chris, can you recall a time where you've been through some of the more difficult aspects of the diagnosis and you were able to, to step back and say, wow, I, I've really experienced healing and I know it because this has happened and this could have been years ago. I remember, Chris, I had been in a dark depression and I was watching Ratatouille with my kids and I just started laughing and the whole movie I was laughing and it was like, wow, something just broke. I am laughing for the first time, what felt like mm -hmm. a year. I'm starting to heal. I'm starting to feel joy. So, uh, do you have a memory like that? And you can reflect on what, what that meant to you. Yeah. Gosh. Well, I was thinking of something entirely different, but I think I'm still going to go there. Um, so I had this yeah. summer, this past summer, I had a dear friend pass. And I think this will illuminate what I said about healing. But I had a dear friend pass, and it was uh, he took his own life. Very, very painful for me. It was very sudden and unexpected. And I noticed— I'm sorry to hear that, Chris. Yeah, thank you so much. I noticed over the course of about three days that I was starting to— like I was starting to have symptoms that would be like hypomanic in addition to what already felt like really extreme grief. Mm. I couldn't distinguish— at first, whether it was just profound grief, which can look like really wild mood issues, you know? So I couldn't tell if it was profound grief or if I actually needed help. And I just really stayed open and curious to my experience. And on the third day, I realized I need to go to the hospital to get some extra medication because I, I, don't, I don't want to wait for this to build into something bigger. Yes. For me, who, who has been so terrified of what, what that, the implications of that might mean, not just for my family or my professional life, but also for my sense of self and my, the safety of whether I would have to be kept for an extended period of time and all this stuff. The emerging sanity of being able to say, wow, I think I'm, I think I'm going too far here and I'm out on the edge. I think in the past when I didn't have this congruence, right? Like I didn't know what it felt to truly be in alignment with myself and my world. I might've actually found that alluring. Once we can really have some true recovery, and I mean really true, you know, where it's like you really know yourself, that can serve as a barometer for whether or not we need help much, much sooner, much more responsive and compassionate to ourselves than waiting until we're on the brinks of a complete chaos. Our guest on episode 17 was Bob Mills, the president of MindsRenewed.org. Bob reads a poem in his response and then talks about how sorrows lead to joy. I really liked how he talked about how there is a redemptive part of suffering, and understanding that redemptive part of suffering is how we can really find deep healing. 
there's a poem I want to read that uh, one of your questions that you'd sent earlier uh, asked me about the lowest moment I'd had. When I was at the lowest moment, God gave me a poem uh, from the library at the church, and it's by Edwin Markham, and it's short. It goes like this. Defeat may serve as well as victory to shake the soul and let the glory out. When the great oak is straining in the wind, the boughs drink in a new beauty, and the trunk sends down a deeper root on the windward side. Only the soul that knows the mighty grief can know the mighty rapture. Sorrows come to stretch out spaces in the heart for joy. That last line was really the line that brought me out. Sorrows come to stretch out spaces in the heart for joy. Mm. And when I think about healing, I came to understand that as this is the redemptive part of suffering. Right. Where we are, our hearts, I knew in this low time about my heart being stretched. I mean, I felt that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I didn't know is that joy could be out there. Mm-hmm. God has healing for us in his redemption. And ultimately, everything will be redeemed. The joy we can never imagine will be we'll experience. But here on this earth, we can experience it yeah. too. Episode 18, we had Brandon Andrus in studio. Brandon is one of my best friends, a real spiritual brother. Uh, has made a huge difference in my life. I was part of a confession group, a men's confession group with him for years. And this podcast came out shortly after he released his book, Beauty in the Wreckage. We went on and did an unedited episode, actually, here, and had a very good back and forth uh, talking about his book and talking about a lot of the experiences that he um, speaks of in the book. It's very personal. A real theme of this episode was how healing is on the other side of pain. We have to pass through pain and suffering to experience healing, and that healing often comes in finding a community of people on the other side who who help you grow and learn and uh, overcome. You write, living constantly in the pain of our suffering can either become an end destination or a passageway for each of us. I I think that really gets to the heart of healing. Yeah, yeah. You know, healing, you've you've come to that end in in some ways. You've reached the destination of pain. And the question is, what, what is the passageway? Yeah. And, and you're addressing that in your book. So, I mean, think about it, just you guys. I mean, how many people in your lives do you know that have experienced profound pain and suffering who have chosen it as an end destination? I mean, have you, can you guys think of people that you know who have had that experience? Uh, yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and I think that w- whenever I started thinking about it, it's like, there's no judgment there for people who get to that place, which I call the Valley of the shadow of death. It's like, you're at the bottom of the Valley and it's like, it's dark. And sometimes it feels incredibly alone. And you wonder, um, if you can take another step. And so there's no, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation because, you know, we all have this, these varied experiences where we've been to that place. And I, I think, you know, my appeal in that chapter, especially is that, we, we can't stay alone in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, if, if we're going to, if we're going to take steps forward in this valley to begin to ascent, uh, this mountain, it has to be together. 
you know, and, and that's, I, I remember this one line that I wrote in that chapter. It says, um, we, we carry each other upward and over the mountain brother, over the, yeah, uh, over the mountain sister. It's like this kind of appeal to saying it has to be done communally and, and you cannot stand in this place. And because that, that's what I think is like, ultimately, if, if we end up in those places where we choose our pain and suffering as an end destination, uh, it, it is a place of isolation. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the places where I've seen the greatest um, transformation, you know, rather than an end destination, but pain and suffering used as a place of transformation has been in community. It has been sitting at confession group where, you know, you're opening those places up and you have people like pouring words of life and love and non-judgment and, and there's something that's happening and, and right. it, sometimes it's inexplicable, but it, one, one thing that just popped in my head is uh, Richard Rohr, who I love says that the two greatest teachers are great love and suffering. And I think it's hard whenever you're at the valley of, in the valley of the shadow of death to look at your suffering as a teacher. I can hold it and I can look at it and I can let it teach me how to grow at greater depths. And our final interview of 2018 was Susan Lockwood. This was before Susan and Tony were married. This was actually the first time I met Susan, and what a a beautiful day that was. Uh, Susan had actually just uh, finished off her book, Kicked to the Curb, Where Policy Has Failed Our Most Vulnerable Youth and the Fight for a Better Tomorrow. And her response to healing uh, spoke of, of hope. What does healing mean to me? I think it's transformational. I think it's going from feeling like there is no hope to feeling like I can do this and I'm in a good place and people love me and I can love people. Mm-hmm. All of those things. It's just, like I said, it's transformational. Wonderful. And there you have it. 20 episodes last year. And um, what does healing mean to you has been the the theme throughout. And I really hope you got something out of this, uh, heard some themes here, and have thought about healing in a a deeper way yourself so that maybe you could take some time, write down your response. You can even post it on our website. Uh, We do have a prompt of what does healing mean to you. We'd love to hear from you. The question, what does healing mean to you, uh, I couldn't ask for a better theme and a better way to frame each of our interviews. It's really why I keep on this podcast. This really is a very intimate question, and I thank all of those we've interviewed for coming on and being vulnerable and being very thoughtful and sharing such beautiful responses. Listeners, I encourage you to ask people in your life the same question, and I can almost guarantee you will have a deeper appreciation for that person. This has really been a great reflection for me. But I will say, I don't want to do this again for for quite a while because I'd much rather have my man, Tony Roberts, sitting next to me. Um, Thank you all. Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. 
A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com. This Saturday is a blessing of the cats and Prince Harry Strider, my beautiful cat that often purrs at my feet, will be uh, will be blessed. Right, Harry? Mr. Meowser, love you, man. What you have just heard here at the end of Revealing Voices is actually Revealing Meow Meows with my Meowser cat. <laughs>